This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 285. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, our guest on the podcast today is Chris Swanger. He's the president and CEO of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States and also responsibility.org. But first, I'd like to talk about fruit garnishes in the bar. There's a lot to discuss. First, with cutting the fruit. Well, what I do, and I should probably get around to making a video of this, is cut off the stem end just enough to make a flat surface so you can stand it up. And then I cut it in half. Uh, this is too complicated to explain in audio-only format. I'll, I'll try to make that video today and, and post it in the show notes on bartenderjourney.net as far as uh, the way I like to cut lemons. And uh, you can see what you think. And if you if you think you have a better way, let me know. You can always get in touch with me. It's brian at bartenderjourney.net. Email me. Uh, anyway, I much prefer the wedge shape over the slice. I think it looks so much better and it's more practical because if the guest likes to squeeze the lime into his gin and tonic, as I do, uh, much more juice is expressed from the wedge over the slice. A couple other points that I really wanted to make about fruit is uh, please get as many seeds out of that lemon as you can and orange as well. Uh, lucky with limes, we don't have to worry about that, but those lemons with those lemon seeds drive me crazy. Don't totally mangle it to get every single seed out, but I can't stand to see a lemon wedge with seeds in it or on them. Sometimes it looks like the seed is hanging on for dear life and it's harder for it to stay on than come off. And despite that, I've seen many a bartender throw that thing into the drink. Next thing you know, it's in the straw. When I forget to request no straw, that is. And unbeknownst to the drinker, it's about to be launched into the back of the throat. Gross. Plus, it just looks so much better without the seeds. Next thing, I went to my local bar restaurant where they have an outdoor bar, which I love, and instinctively picked up the lime off the side of the glass and tossed it into my gin and tonic. And it took my mind about a half a second to catch up and realize how slimy and warm that lime was, uh, but it was too late. It was already in my drink. I should have sent it back because it's potentially dangerous to consume, but number one, I almost never send anything back when I go out. And number two, it was kind of my fault because I had that gross thing in my hand before it went in the drink. I never should have put it in there. Anyway, all I can say is try to keep your fruit cold or or at least take out you know, a little bit at a time out of the fridge. I'm lucky at my bar that I have three ice wells, so I can use one. To, uh, I fill it with ice and use it like a bain-marie. I keep uh, things cold in it, like my garnishes, along with the fresh fruit juices and syrups. There's another outdoor bar that I love. It's a great setting right on the Hudson River. I was there once, and I see the bartenders taking out the fruit to get ready for this shift. They're taking the fruit out of the um, fridge in quart containers, the deli quart containers, which is a good way to do it. And they were marked with the date they were cut, which is the right thing to do. The problem was the date was more than a week prior. The reason to date it is to know when to throw it away. I won't give specifics on how long to keep it, but I'll just tell you, I refuse to serve any fruit that's older than 24 hours. I know it sucks if you have to cut fruit mid-shift, but I can just recommend that you try your best to have very little left over at the end of your shift. Last thing to mention for now about fruit garnishes, in New York State at least, they are considered, quote, ready to eat food, unquote, which means you are technically never supposed to touch it with your hands. I know we all wash our hands a hundred times each shift. Seriously, probably more than that for me. But just be aware, and the health code varies state to state, but in New York State at least, when you're cutting fruit, you are supposed to wear gloves and a hair guard like the cooks do in the kitchen. I actually like wearing gloves when I'm cutting fruit. For one thing, if you have the tiniest cut or crack in your skin, that lemon juice stings. You are supposed to use tongs in New York State to pick up the fruit when garnishing. Do I do this every single time? Yes, if you're the health department. Okay, enough of my ranting. I will seriously try to make that video showing how I like to cut the fruit. I just got a little holder for my phone so I can mount it on a tripod, and uh, that makes it a lot easier than getting out the full-size video camera and microphone and lights. No time for all that. 
Hey, I wrote a book along with Amin Benny, who we will have on the show again, probably on the next episode. Uh, we wrote a book called Cocktails Made Simple, Easy and Delicious Recipes for the Home Bartender. It's aimed at the home bartender, but has lots of great information about techniques, tools, glassware, plus about 30 classic cocktail recipes. And it's only $12.95. As I record this on September 26, 2019, it's available for pre-sale on Amazon. Uh, the official release date is October 15th, so you can pre-order it now and they'll ship it as soon as possible. We'll have a link in the show notes at bartenderjourney.net. I hope you'll consider purchasing a copy. Believe it or not, it was because of the podcast and the website that I was contacted and asked to do it. We're really excited about it. All right, let's get to the interview. All right, so my guest today is Chris Swanger, and he's the president and CEO of the Distilled Spirits Council of the U.S. and Responsibility.org. So first of all, tell us about the Distilled Spirits Council. I don't know any much about it. Yeah, thanks, Brian. So the Distilled Spirits Council is the leading uh, industry trade association for the spirits industry. Uh, we represent uh, basically, we're the we're the leading industry advocate for the betterment of the spirits industry in the United States. So, uh, we advocate uh, for the interests of the spirits industry with members of Congress on Capitol Hill. Uh, uh, with uh, we're engaged in all fifty state capitals. So, any given day, government is making policy, right? Policy that can have an impact, a direct impact on uh, the spirits industry, a direct impact on uh, the bartender community, right? So what, you know, what is good or, for, or bad for the spirits industry could have direct Im- implications for the bartender community as well, right? right. So uh, we are based in Washington, D.C., uh, but uh, we represent uh, a, a broad swipe of the beverage alcohol industry, and uh, it is a real privilege for me to, to represent and to be an advocate for the distilled spirits industry in my role, uh, leading discus. Responsibility.org is a foundation. Uh, it's called the Foundation for Advancing Alcohol Responsibility, and uh, uh a great thing to elaborate on is the industry is totally invested in advocating uh, for the responsible consumption of our products, right? That is an obligation that we take very, very seriously. So uh, we are way out on point working with a lot of different stakeholders in an effort to prevent underage drinking, to eliminate underage drinking, uh, to prevent drunk driving accidents, the abuse of alcohol. So I had the privilege of not only leading the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, but also responsibility.org. And I'm proud to say that the industry should be very, very proud of itself in terms of what we do to ensure the responsible enjoyment of our products by legal age, uh, purchase age consumers. And uh, every day we're working hard to eliminate underage drinking and uh, to curtail and eliminate drunk driving as well. Because as American citizens, none of us want that. And we, you know, want our products, and I'm sure bartenders feel that as well. We want our great cocktails to be enjoyed by many and all, but but we want it to be enjoyed responsibly uh, so people have a good time and enjoy it uh, without getting in trouble with alcohol abuse in any kind of form. Sure, sure. Uh, so what, what specific steps are you taking to accomplish these goals? 
Well, on the responsibility side, I would say uh, responsibility.org has been around uh, since 1991. Uh, anybody gets a chance, check it out online, www.responsibility.org. Uh, the good news is that underage drinking and abusive consumption on college campuses are at its lowest levels. Uh, there's been significant declines in drunk driving as well. And, uh, you know, that's, that continues to be a work in progress. Uh, but uh, what Responsibility.org does is work with a lot of stakeholders. It could be law enforcement or the traffic safety community. Uh, Responsibility.org works with school counselors and parents to help create conversations about alcohol. So when you're a 16 and 17-year-old, and obviously we don't want those individuals to drink alcohol, it's against the law to drink unless you're 21 and older, right? You know, part of the big contribution and the decline in the numbers of underage drinking is responsibility.org has programs. One in particular is called Ask, Listen, and Learn. You can go online and check it out, Ask, Listen, and Learn. Uh, provides programs to help parents initiate conversations uh, with young people so they understand the implications and the choices that they have to make when they get to an age where they may be peer pressured and so forth. So uh, we're very, very proud of the, the Ask, Listen, and Learn program, and that's just an example. So responsibility.org does a lot of different programs, whether it's with the traffic safety community, whether it could be working with Mothers Against Drunk Driving, or it's working with school counselors or parents to help create moments of conversation where we help build a society where responsible choices are made about alcohol. And that's an ongoing effort. And uh, the industry is fully committed to that. I'm sure uh, those in the bartender community uh, you know, have to contend with abusive consumption or someone trying to, you know, buy a cocktail or a drink or a beer while they're underage. So, so you know, this is a community effort, and uh, certainly the bartender community has a big role to play. We work very closely with TIPS, uh, which is a server training platform for the bartender community, right. uh, which many bartenders are trained about how to manage certain situations in a particular bar, whether or not someone's abusing the product or whatever, or someone's trying to get access to product that's underage. So this is an ongoing effort uh, for this, you know, our great industry that we live and work in. And, uh, you know, we appreciate uh, having the opportunity to participate with you to raise awareness in terms of what we do and, uh, you know, uh, would appreciate the opportunity to work more with our bartender community and those on all of these endeavors to advocate for the interests of the industry, uh, but at the same time, always be on the front lines on the responsibility side of things as well. Mm -hmm. Are there any resources uh, for for bartenders on responsibility.org? Well, one one great resource that I'd like to bring to you is uh, we just launched about a month ago. It's called Spirits United. It's a it's a grassroots platform, and you can check it out on www.spirits s p i r i t s united.org. 
spiritsunited.org. Uh, it's a grassroots platform, and we are partnering with TIPS to roll out uh, Spirits United. Uh, what we're trying to do is there is great, great pride in this industry, and what uh, the Distilled Spirits Council is trying to do is harness all that great, great pride. Uh, bartenders are an important element of this industry. They're really on the front lines and making great cocktails and so forth. And what we're hoping to do is get uh, the bartender community, employees with craft distilleries, employees with all of our companies, with the larger companies or supply chain to join Spirits United. And what that does is it's, you go on a website and you sign up. And then when we need help on key legislation that matters to the bartender community or the spirits industry, it's a one, two minute click of a button and we can uh, issue a call to action and uh, get interested stakeholders like bartenders or the industry to get involved, to write letters to their members of Congress or their state legislature and so forth. So uh, for all, all, all your listeners, uh, please check out uh, Spirits United, www.spiritsunited.org, and we would love to have you uh, participate with us in this great platform. Very cool. So, um, what are you seeing as far as trends in the spirits industry now? I, I keep I've read several places that uh, it's on the increase. In, uh, spirits are on the yeah. increase, and wine and beer are on the decrease. Right? Exactly. Last year marked the ninth straight year of record spirit sales and volumes. Adult consumers are continuing to favor spirits over beer and wine, particularly the millennial crowd, obviously over 21, of course. The spirit sector is benefiting from the millennials who demand diverse, authentic experiences and a desire for innovative and higher-end products. So a big message there is people are uh, drinking better, not more, right? And the comeback of the classic cocktail is driven by the rise of bartenders and their true craftsmen. And for all the bartenders out there, thank you for all you do for our industry. The strongest strongest growth in high-end premium and super premium products across most categories includes American whiskey, tequila, cognac, and Irish whiskey. The continued excitement surrounding super premium American whiskey is really uh, creating a halo, halo effect for the entire whiskey category. The explosive growth that we've seen in craft distilleries and generating consumer excitement and boosting tourism and local economic development is really awe-inspiring. So a lot of exciting things are happening. For me, as uh, the the leader of the Distilled Spirits Council, I want to make sure that we keep these trends going. The trends of the growth of the spirits industry and obviously the trends, the positive trends that are taking place in terms of responsibility as well. So very exciting times for us. Uh, and uh, we're focused on trying to pass uh, legislation on Capitol Hill right now called the Craft Beverage Modernization Act, which would really uh, afford uh, our craft distiller community a tax break, uh, which is awesome, which will allow them to invest back in their distilleries. So that is a call to action that, I, that I'd like to register with the audience. Uh, please sign up to uh, spiritsunited.org and you can get involved and help support the passage of the Craft Beverage Modernization 
Modernization uh, Tax Reform Act, uh, which will help uh, in help our craft distiller community invest back into their communities and bring forward great, great cocktails for the bartender community to serve. So that's you're talking at the federal level, yeah? I, I'm that's just, right. I'm just uh, yeah, that's got to be passed by the U.S. Congress. It, Correct. And because um, yeah, a lot of things of are regulated year. by the by the state governments, right? Correct. And we contend with issues in, in state government as well. Uh, but this particular legislation has to be passed by Congress. For the first time since the Civil War, two years ago, Congress did pass the first ever tax deduction in distilled spirits. But unfortunately, Congress only authorized that piece of legislation for a two-year period. So that legislation is about to expire at the end of December. Uh, so we're uh, doing an all-out effort. Uh, if we don't pass the tax increase, that could uh, levy a 400% tax increase on distilled spirit suppliers, and most particularly the craft distiller community. So we definitely need help. Uh, that legislation enjoys broad bipartisan support. Republicans and Democrats, oddly enough, are coming together to try to pass the legislation. We've got over 280 uh, co-sponsors on the House side. And I, I was just told a few minutes ago we've got, uh, I think, now 70 sponsors on the Senate side, 68 or 70. So there is broad political support to get it done. But in, when you're dealing with Capitol Hill and all the different distractions that members of Congress have to, have to deal with, uh, it, it's always a constant battle to win share of minds. We've got to make sure that we, uh, we win the day in the next couple of months and get this legislation signed into law and made permanent. Wow. Well, good luck. I hope that all works out. <laughs> yeah. And Spirits United is a great platform for everybody to kind of come together and send letters to their members of Congress, right? So when you go on the Spirits United website, you'll see a great video which kind of puts the whole thing in context, right? And then if, if everybody is comfortable and willing, you put in your name and your email address, and then we can quickly come back to you in an email uh, let you know who your member of Congress is, which many, some people don't know. And then we help provide you with a, a letter that you can amend as you see fit or send a letter to your member of Congress uh, so you can have a word in support of the Craft Beverage Modernization Act to be passed. And those legislators appreciate and value hearing from uh, their constituents and their communities. And I would say this for the bartender community. Uh, Y'all, the bartender community plays a critical role in our communities all around the country, right? And we want Spirits United to be a, a, a real platform for the bartender community to have a voice. Cool. In policymaking considerations. Right, right. And so uh, sort of tourism around um, distilleries is increasing very big quickly, time. right? Very quickly. Big and, time, big time. And then ultimately, I mean, that, and that, that, is what, that is exciting and awesome what's happening in communities all around the country, right? People are traveling from all over to go visit, you know, a small distillery in, in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming. 
right? And that is neat, right? That's neat for that small distillery with maybe 5 to 10, 11, 12 employees. And ultimately, when those brands end up on the back bar of a great, uh, you know, establishment, uh, we want to make sure that those brands are seen and enjoyed by consumers all around the country. Yeah. It's interesting though. People, I was, I was in a bar once, uh, in Texas and, uh, some, you know, young early twenties guys walk in and they say, what do you got? That's new. You know, we're going to try some new whiskey. And I was like, yep. wow, that was, that was very telling in a couple of ways. Pretty from, cool. It's cool. But on the other hand, I think, you know, you, you got to wonder like if people are always looking for the next thing, how do you build that loyalty to a brand, you know? Exactly. So, uh, and that's what's happening. And, uh, for those that would be willing, engagement in uh, Spirits United is a way to just make sure the bartender community's voice is heard. Uh, just yesterday on social media, we did a platform really directed to the bartender community that to tip in cash as opposed to credit card. Is uh, I used to be a waiter and a bartender back in the day when, when I was in college, and uh, I always preferred getting uh, cash versus uh, credit card tips. So uh, yeah, we're really trying to tailor some messaging to get the attention of the bartender community because we understand, you know, just if you're a consumer uh, and you're buying a cocktail at a bar, uh, tipping in cash is much better for the bartender, I think, than, than the credit card. Yeah, uh, and sure. it's probably quicker and easier, too. Yeah. But less people are carrying less and less cash all the time. <laughs> yeah, in fact, yeah, in and fact, that's we're probably a some... challenge for the bartender community, yeah, yeah, right? Yep. So we're going to try to spread that message. Good. Yeah. Well, it's hard. A lot. Some establishments are going to no cash. You know. I, yeah. I mean, not not just restaurants and bars, but all all types of places. Yeah. Which is which exactly. I never quite understood that because it costs the business more to <laughs> process the payment. I would think. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't make exactly. a lot of sense to me. But yeah, even myself, I find myself going out. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't have any cash on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. That's kind of the way of the world. But for the bartender community, probably having cash is probably easier and better yeah. uh, for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I would say, Brian, uh, I am very, very lucky in the role that I'm in. And uh, I have really the privilege of being involved in a great, great industry. And the bartender community has a pivotal role in it. And uh, uh, we appreciate all that they do and the cocktails that they make, the drinks that they serve, the role that they play to make sure those environments are, are you know, product, uh, alcohol is served responsibly and so forth. And right. on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, we uh, are excited to be partnering with the bartender community going forward. And Spirits United, obviously, is, is, is a unique platform to allow us to engage that community directly. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I guess you've probably noticed that we're seeing more and more bartenders really taking it as a serious um, career path, you know, where years ago exactly. it was like, what's, what's your real job, you know? <laughs> it is a real job and it's it an important it. job and it's an awesome job. Yep. Probably my best job apart <laughs> from this one, of course, uh, was being a, being a waiter and a bartender because I like people and I like talking to people and it's immediately gratifying because if you do a good job and you provide great service, you got, you got someone on the other side of the table smiling, yeah. right? Yeah. And you're making their day and it is, is a, it is a real job and the craftsmanship that they, and the pride that they take in the cocktails that they make 
is really, really awesome. And the bartender community has played a prominent role in the uh, the phenomenon that's happened for the spirits industry over the last 10 years. Uh, it's, it's really neat to be a part of that. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, I will let you go. It's such a pleasure talking to you. And uh, Me? I, I appreciate your time. Me too, Brian. If you ever come to D.C., uh, I'm from Texas originally, but okay. if you ever get uh, to the Washington, D.C. area, please please let me know. Would would love to visit with you. That sounds great. All right, okay. Chris. Thank you so much. Great. Have a great day, you and too. thanks for uh, letting me have an opportunity <laughs> to speak. My pleasure. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. Please check out bartenderjourney.net. I'm going to try to get that video done as soon as possible about cutting fruit garnishes, and you'll also see the link to our new book that I wrote with Benny, Cocktails Made Simple. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. We'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.